He's been advisor to Presidents Clinton and Trump. And now, he's here to advise us all. Dick Morris is on 77 WABC. Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Yes, I'm stuck in the middle with you. And I'm wondering what it is I should do. Hi everybody, stuck in the middle with you, that's Dick Morris, and uh, and I hope you too. Happy Independence Day, what a glorious country this is, how irreplaceable, how amazing it is, uh, how fantastic. Um, but Rasmussen, the polling firm, asked Americans if the founding fathers came back today, 245 years later, would they consider the U.S. a success or a failure? And 34% said a success, and 41% said a failure. Now, that's significant because a year ago, under Trump, which in the middle of COVID and in the middle of the riots, it was 40 success, 35 a failure. So the success vote went up by six points, and the failure vote went up by six points. There is a new pessimism in this country. I think we alluded to it the last time in the last show. Uh, the number of people that say the U.S. is on the right track as opposed to the wrong track, uh, that measurement has flipped since Trump was president. Under Trump, you had about a four-point margin of more people saying the right track. Now you have a four-point margin of people saying the wrong track. And that pessimism, I think, is the underlying political reality of our country. And I think that the the pessimism has moved from focusing on things we can't control, like COVID, uh, to something we can control, which is critical race theory, uh, eliminating voting rights, uh, pol- policing the border, uh, help getting the economy moving without inflation, things we can affect. And I think it's very significant that the dislike has moved from things we can't affect to things we can, which means instead of blaming circumstances, we blame the guy who richly deserves that blame, Joe Biden. Let freedom Independence Day, July 4th. I'd like to tell you a funny story, actually a pretty significant story. Uh, and if you're spiritual as I am, you attribute this to God's will. Uh, the uh, Declaration of Independence, of course, was signed on July 4th, 1776. And uh, it was signed by a bunch of, by a whole lot of people, but particularly the pe- two people that had the most to do with writing it with Thomas Jefferson, who was in charge of the committee that wrote it, and John Adams, who was on the five-man committee, and Jefferson's closest collaborator, and the one who, he was the one who nominated Jefferson to write it. Well, they had an up-and-down relationship during their lives. Uh, At first, they were very close. They worked very closely together in Europe to bring allies to the U.S., particularly France, and uh, then they uh, worked closely on drafting and getting approval for the Constitution. And then Washington ran for president and was unanimous. 
But then in the first real contested election of 1796, Jefferson and Adams ran against each other. Adams won. Jefferson became the vice president under the rules of the day and had very little to do with each other. And gradually they developed a real feud between them. And in 1800, Jefferson beat Adams and became president. And uh, Adams refused to attend the inauguration. He would have nothing to do with Jefferson. And that relationship broke up horribly. Um, but about seven or eight years after Jefferson left the White House, around 1815, Adams and Jefferson wrote each other letters saying, we should reconcile. This is silly, us hating each other. Uh, and we're mainly hating each other, not for something the other said, but for something their supporters said about about the other guy. So let's get together and let's explain ourselves to history. It's really important. So they initiated a correspondence that is fascinating and very famous, the Jefferson-Adams letters, which ran from about 1815 when they started talking to each other again. I don't think they ever saw each other again until uh, 1826 when they when they when the correspondence ended, and it ended in a very important way. Thomas Jefferson and James John Adams both died on the same day, July fourth, seventeen. I'm sorry, eighteen twenty six, which was the fiftieth anniversary of the signing of the Declaration of Independence. They died within hours of each other, both of them lasting and staying alive until the the fiftieth anniversary of signing of the Declaration of Independence came about. Jefferson was about 10 years younger than Adams, uh, but they they died on the same day. Now, if you ever look for a sign of divine grace and uh, people really believing in this country and how our founding fathers felt about it, <clears throat> that has to be the most incredible story of all time. Let me just say that of those who consider the U.S. a failure, it's easy to look at the at the Biden administration and conclude that because, of course, he's failing on so many fronts. But let's understand the basics. The United States is the most just country in the world. It's the most free country in the world. Western Europe can't come close to it in freedom. Uh, when Jacques Chirac was indicted for crimes committed while he was the mayor of Paris before he became the president of France – the newspapers in France were not allowed to cover it. Anybody who covered it faced jail time. And the, it was only by reading foreign newspapers that people in France learned that their president had been indicted. You imagine that happening in the U.S.? Of course not. And we are also the most successful country in the world. Um, in real dollar terms, we're the richest. I think, uh, I think Switzerland or some of the small countries ahead of us, but basically we're ahead. And uh, we're obviously the strongest country in the world, uh, and uh, and I, for my money, uh, a total and raving success. Now, um, the but it's interesting to see that that's what people felt. Let's go to Ralph uh, in New Jersey. Hey, Ralph, how are you? Uh, okay, thank you for once again taking my call, allowing me to uh, have an yep. expression. Go ahead. On we this, only have uh, a minute. Fourth of July, uh, special day. Uh, you know, and a holiday like no other. Go, go ahead. We have, we have only a minute, Ralph. Okay. So the, the sense of pessimism that most people feel has something to do with what we are doing to each other, what uh, is being imposed upon us, uh, this cancel culture, 
the uh, virtue signaling, the censorship, and oh my God, the double standard to this, that is yep. just too yep. much. That I think, thank you, much. Ralph, I agree completely. The um, most important thing, I think, is the return of racism, the reversal of racism. We are no longer committed to equality. We're committed to preference, to racial preferences for minorities and discrimination against whites. Uh, we no longer have the goal of equal opportunity in education. We have the goal of equal outcomes in education, which means to hold back the people that are doing well and advance the people that really aren't. And uh, that, I think, is uh, obviously indicative of a real slide in the United States and in our, in our accomplishments and making us more of a failure. But it's an easy way to cure that. Get rid of Joe Biden. We'll talk about how we are uh, losing out to China and uh, and the problems we're having in the country. But uh, let's let's go to some messages now. It's the end of the innocence uh, under Trump. We achieved a goal that we've had since the 70s of energy independence. Uh, we, that what that meant is that we produced all the oil we would need, except for some oil that we got from Canada and some from Mexico, which are our close allies in, in our hemisphere, you know, on our continent. But other than that, we did not need to import any oil from Russia or from the Middle East. We did import some so that we could sell some of our oil to Europe and other places. But we didn't have to, and the United States became energy independent. Now on July 4th, Independence Day, we have to come to grips with the fact that we are no longer energy independent. How did this change in six months? Number one, Joe Biden's war on oil and fossil fuel. He canceled the Keystone Pipeline. He canceled oil leases offshore. He canceled frack drilling, drilling and fracking on federal land. He imposed energy standards that are very, that are very high and coal companies and oil companies can't possibly meet them. And he did everything he could to undermine energy independence. Uh, not because he wanted to be dependent, but because he was so taken with the goal of ending climate change and dealing with that, that he completely sacrificed our independence, uh, our energy independence. There are many other ways in which he sacrificed our independence that we can also talk about. One is weakening our military. Uh, the second is opening our borders so that anyone can walk in, and we expect probably two million new immigrants coming in. As a result of that, a very qu immediate result, wage growth in the U.S. has stopped. It was zero in the last month uh, after being healthy. It's 4 and 5% under Trump. And uh, that's because two million new people have come in. And employers don't have to pay high wages. They can pay low wages because they're paying illegal immigrants uh, who work for very, for very little. Uh, we used to need energy. We used to need energy and get our energy from fossil fuels. Now, by converting to electric power uh, in vehicles and also in uh, providing electricity, uh, we are dependent on rare earth minerals, which are only, man only mined in China. 
So we've gone from being dependent on Arab sheiks to being independent, to being dependent on Chinese communists. And that's where our, where our energy independence right now stands. Let's go to uh, Andrew in Stanhope. Hey, Andrew, you called before, and I appreciate it. important. And um, just want to say on this Independence Day, many of the naturalized citizens, like my wife, they, I think, appreciate this country more because they're new and they came here. And uh, the rock and roll star Gene Simmons from the band Kiss, he was an immigrant from Israel. And he said that this is hands down the best country and the world, and every time he gets off the plane, he finds a quiet spot and says a quick prayer, mm. thanking God that he's American. So you see how much they appreciate oh, it wonderful. more. But I want to say the inversion, like you said, yeah. I think um, a lot of it's due to uh, you know uncontrolled open borders and kowtowing right. to chi- China, yeah, not having uh, America but first you know, manufacturing. You know, Andrew, you, you make a good point, though, uh, about immigrants, legal immigrants. Um, the Hispanic vote, for example, has shifted dramatically toward the Republican Party. Uh, Trump ran eight points better against Biden than he did against Hillary among Hispanics and Latinos. And uh, and I believe the answer is that anybody who came to the United States legally and chose to move here voted with their feet, as it were, that this is the best country in the world, uh, are really patriots. They understand how important it is. And when they see the left trying to screw it up, they realize how horrible it would be if we lost the United States. Let's go to Larry in Brooklyn. Hey, Larry. I did. You know, uh, I believe with or without Trump, uh, this country would be judged very negatively by our forefathers because they were very theoretical. Now, there's a phrase in the Constitution called the Privileges and Immunities Clause, which has been scarcely defined. But I believe the immunities means that we have the right not to have other people have to have new rights installed that are going to deprive us of our rights. For example, we have the right to have an Olympic athlete represent us. She doesn't have the right to turn her back on the national anthem. Uh, uh, that's a new right that's been installed. Um, we have the right to have to maintain our history, the integrity of the history of our country, and not have our country judged and our symbols canceled and statues torn down. Yep. We have the right. That, that, that's what happens, uh, Larry. Whenever you have. Whenever rights are ended and they stop being rights, they become, in effect, privileges. And that's been what the Democratic Party is doing. Uh, they're saying you don't have the right to a quality education uh, because if you're white, uh, you've been you've been exploiting blacks for for centuries. And now you don't have that right. Black people do have that right. And it's a horrible form of reverse racism that I think is so undermining our country in just the way uh, in just the way that you said. Let's go to Jerry in Passaic. Jerry, you were watching the Trump rally yesterday, right? Yeah, well, what, what I want to say, and I'm glad to see Trump doing rallies again. That's putting yeah. the fear of uh, something they don't believe in, the God, fear of Trump into, into that yeah. party. Right. And the other thing I want to say this guy is this guy lucky he knows how to tie his shoelaces and right. he's making a mess of our economy and the entire world order. What he's doing with our economy bears some discussion. He is not only ruining our economy, he's ruining the global economy. Uh, he's ruining the, ruining the whole capitalist system. 
because he's ruining money. He's printing so much of it. Uh, the amount of currency in circulation in the United States has risen by 75% in the last year. He normally goes up by 5 or 10%, 75%. And what that's doing is undermining people's faith in money. There's a wonderful book out that says money, the his- the the history, the imaginary history of something that's real, or the other way around, the history of something that's imaginary. But his point is that money is basically not real. It's an agreement among people to accept certain paper as worth something. And since we went off the gold standard, it's not, there's no check or balance on it. And Biden is just abusing that by printing endless amounts of money, which in the short term is going to cause massive inflation, and in the longer term could cause basically the collapse of the global economy because it's all based on faith that money is worth anything and that money means anything. And Biden's profligacy in the way he's printing it really is undermining that faith. Thanks for your call. It's Sunday, and you know what that means. Here's Dick Morris on 77 WABC. Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Yes, I'm stuck in the middle with you. And I'm wondering what it is To help us celebrate Independence Day. Let's go to Jimmy in Pelham Bay, who has a really prescient comment. Hey, Jimmy. Mr. Morris, America, happy birthday. And let's never forget what happened a year before on July 3rd, 1775. A guy by the name of George Washington, General Washington, took command of the Continental Army and the rest is history. And it's also today as a country that George Washington probably wouldn't recognize, including the fact that his statues are knocked down and his uh, yeah. names are buildings and schools that put, probably put but, George Washington. Jimmy, I thought you were going to talk about charity in, in the yes, U.S. and yes. goodwill. T- tell me about that. America, America is a very charitable nation. It's given up its blood and its treasure inside this country and around the world. And it's a country that is a magnet for the whole world. They want to come here. But at a certain point, you know, we have so many people unemployed, underemployed, and people don't realize when you say illegal immigration, it's not just a wall down on the southern border. It's people who have visas that expire inside this country. So what I'm calling for is illegal immigration stop cold. Right. Also, a timeout right. on legal immigration. I think I think we all I think we all agree with that, Jimmy. And good for you for raising that. But I just want to point this out: the American people give eight percent of their national income every year to charity. Okay, the French people give one percent. The Germans give one percent. The British give two percent. We are the only country in the world that gives anything close to eight percent of our personal income to charity. We are the most charitable, caring, goodwilled nation in the world. Now, people in Europe would say you got it wrong. We have higher taxes and we give them more government benefits. But that's the whole point, isn't it? Uh, to get help in Europe, you have to depend on the government. To get help in America, you have to depend on your fellow Americans. And that's why we cure all diseases first. That's why we have the shots and vaccines before anyone else does. Because the American people are paying for it, not in their taxes, but in their voluntary, charitable, personal contributions. Uh, now, I was making a point earlier that 
one of the callers was kind enough to tell me that his wife is a legal immigrant and uh, celebrates being an American and, and thanks God every day that she is one. And that was very moving. And I mentioned that, that that's why legal immigrants are increasingly voting Republican. It's why Trump gained eight points among them. And David and Passaic has an interesting thought about that. Tell me, David. Yes, uh, thank you for having me on. Exactly what you're saying. Um, my parents were Holocaust survivors. They left Russia with three little kids. They had to go through six different countries to get to America. Me and my brothers are all professionals now. And this is the greatest country in the world where people who are naturalized citizens are the most patriotic, probably also, like you said, Republican. But then you have this Democratic Party. We have Elon Omar and Rashid Tlaib, who hate this country. Yep. Who now the kids in this country are brainwashed. Yep. And the Americans. Let me, Americans let me tell you a story, don't David. Know any better. David, let me tell you a story. Uh, I was working for Trump on July fourth of last year, and. Um, I suggested to him that the anti-American sentiment being vented by Antifa and BLM in all of these riots needed refutation. And I suggested that he go to Mount Rushmore uh, to speak on July 4th. And he did. And he celebrated America. He even set up a monument par- park that would be dedicated to erecting statues to honor great Americans and the cause of freedom. And... Um, then we have the contrast with Biden, who really did nothing uh, to celebrate July 4th. He boasted that hot dogs are a little cheaper now. And uh, and contrast that with the spirit of love and patriotism that Donald Trump showed. Now, there's one country that is not very loving and not filled with goodwill and is the most evil country in the world today. Go on, take money and run. Of course, you know I'm talking about China. We can't celebrate our independence as long as the current economic relationship with China continues. Uh, we depend on China for a vast portion of our economic growth. Uh, China, our, our China sells us about $400 billion worth of products and services every year. We sell them about $100 billion. So it's a huge imbalance. And they control the supply chain on our drugs, many of our vaccines. They control the supply chain on rare earth minerals that are, that make all of our computers and cell phones run, uh, and increasingly solar and other kind of batteries run. Uh, we're dependent on China in so many ways, and it is such an irresponsible actor. Just look at the Hunan, at the, at the, uh, the creation of the virus, the Wuhan laboratory. Uh, just the irresponsibility of creating that kind of a virus and working overtime to take a natural virus and make it more lethal and easier to spread among people. That was the goal of the research. It wasn't something that just happened. It was the actual goal of this research. And, uh, and, and that country, uh, has us, has a stranglehold over us. It does not need to. It does not need to. We can be free of it. When Donald Trump doubled the tariffs from China 
Everybody said, oh, it's going to kill our economy. This will hurt us much more than it will hurt them. It will disrupt all our supply chains. We'll have huge inflation. We'll have shortages of products up and down the line. And, yeah, toilet paper was harder to buy. <laughs> paper towels were harder to buy. I think for a while light bulbs were harder. Uh, for a while there was a meat shortage, some stuff like that, but nothing serious, nothing really that gripped the country. And we survived it fine. China went into a recession. Uh, it stopped growing for the first time in decades and actually lost uh, part of its economy over this. But we only doubled them. If we increased our tariffs with China by quadrupling them, which would be really important, uh, we could end the dependence on China. We could discipline China globally. We could extract vast amounts of money from them, which we could pay out to the victims of COVID as reparations. And it would not hurt our economy. If doubling them didn't hurt it, quadrupling them is not going to hurt it. And uh, the, the point is China tells everyone that, oh, we can kill you. We just don't want to. One of the myths the Chinese talk about is to say that you owe us so much money that we could pull the plug on you anytime we want. And that is totally and completely wrong and the opposite of what really is the truth. The fact is that when we, quote, borrow money from China, what that means is China invests its money in us. In other words, it's, it's not that we're, they're lending us money. They're investing their money in us. They're taking their trade surplus and they're buying U.S. Treasury notes. Why are they doing that? Why are they in that sense, quote, lending us money? Not because they want to help us out but because they want to keep the yuan, their currency, as cheap as possible so their goods are as cheap as possible and Americans will buy them in preference to American products in our stores. And the only way that they can make their pro their currency cheap is by selling a lot of it and buying almost none. And that means that they make it cheap because there's more, de there's more supply than there is demand. Uh, if we decided to stop doing business with China, and they decided to stop, quote, lending us money, or in fact, buying our dollars, uh, their economy would absolutely crash. It would fall apart. Ours would be hurt a little bit, but not much. No, it didn't hurt much when Trump doubled the tariffs. If we want to be independent, we've got to understand that the hegemonic power in the world today is China. Let's go to, um, let's go to Gary. Uh, oh, Gary has an interesting question about books that I've read or written. You, um, hey, Gary. Morris. I want to do two things, one very briefly, one I want to uh, explore at length, the largesse, your literary largesse. You've written many, many books. 20. Before I uh, go right there, I want to hear a lot about that. Um, uh, we have a rally Wednesday at 3 o'clock in front of Trump Tower. It's a pro-Trump rally. Good. Talk about your many Good. Well, that's good. Uh, yeah, I've uh, I've written 20 books. Uh, I've got a new one that I'm just finishing that's going to come out uh, probably before the new year. <clears throat> it's called Take Back America, How to Win the Elections of 22 and 24. And I'm writing like hell. <laughs> I'm half finished with it, and it's going to be a great book. You asked in the, my call screener what were the, my favorite books that I've written, uh, or the most important book. Well, the uh, the book that I think probably you most need to read right now is a book called Here Come the Black Helicopters, 
which is exposing the compromising of American independence, the power of the UN usurping the power of the US, the power of Europe disciplining the US and stopping it from doing what we need to do. Um, probably my favorite book and the one that probably is the mo- the one that's most important, I guess, is Behind the Oval Office, which is my memoir of the work for Bill Clinton in the administration uh, and gives you a real feel about what the White House is like, what Clinton was like, what Hillary was like and during that period. And uh, I think it's really good. The other book is a book about the rules, the changing rules in politics. I call it The New Prince, you know, Machiavelli updated for the 21st century. So The New Prince, Behind the Oval Office, and Here Come the Black Helicopters. They're all available on Amazon. Thank you for asking me. Uh, let's go to uh, Mike in Pennsylvania. Hey, Mike. How you doing? Doing good. Uh, today, today I did my... You know, it's been eating at me uh, about the president, you know, using the church. And and the Democrats have always used the church. Black churches, they walk in there. Oh, they, 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 they're they the center of attraction. You're talking about the church. You're talking about St. Mary's that Trump walked to that had been burned down? No, 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 no. I'm t- forget about Trump. I'm talking about Biden. I'm sorry, Biden. Yeah. That he's, that he's you know, I see him there. He, he, he makes like he's, you know. Um, yeah. really concentrating on prayer and all. Well, they're on the verge of excommunicating. He'd be, he'd be, yeah. he'd be hearing what was going on. Right. So the first thing that they do, any government power that wants to take over, is they make sure they get rid of religion. Yeah. They make sure they get rid of the church, the temple. Karl Marx said it's make, the opiate of the people. And, that, and that's his way. Yeah. And what's happening now is the church itself isn't coming down. He shouldn't be able to come uh, to... to receive communion. Yeah. We are very adamant about abortion. Right. Okay? It's it's a commandment. Thou shalt not kill. I got you, Mike. I, let me just say a word about abortion. We have to go to a break in a minute. I had a caller uh, two weeks ago or three weeks ago. I think his name was Ralph, but I may be wrong. And he talked about abortion as genocide. And he pointed out that 38% of the uh, abortions in the U.S., are of black fetuses, and who are only 12% of the population. And he said that if there was ever a time when black lives matter, it's on the issue of abortion, because that's where they're being killed, literally black lives taken. And that gives me a whole new perspective on abortion that was really interesting. So thank you. I appreciate you raising that. It's Sunday, and you know what that means. Here's Dick Morris on 77 WABC. Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Yes, I'm stuck in the middle with you. And I'm wondering what it is I should do. Thank you, Stu, uh, who just called me, uh, who uh, points out that this is not just July 4th the birthday of our country. It's the anniversary of the Battle of Gettysburg that was fought on, began on July 3rd, I think, uh, 1863, and was really the seminal, crucial battle of the war. You know, the Black Lives Matter movement is focusing on Juneteenth, uh, which was the day that the last slaves in the country were liberated or got word that they had been freed at the end of the Civil War. 
But the key date for me is the Emancipation Proclamation on January 1st, 1864, 1863, sorry. And that was only possible because of the Battle of Antietam that was fought a few months before and the Battle of Gettysburg that was fought a few months afterwards. And those two battles saved American civilization. They saved world civilization. Now, when anybody talks about reparations, I think that 350,000 dead white Union soldiers who died to free slaves, I think that's pretty important. Let's go to Stu and tell me about Gettysburg. Hey, good morning, Dick. Good morning. Dick was not only Gettysburg, the other uh, very important battle was Vicksburg, Vicksburg which yeah. also fell on yeah. July 4th. And that was important. Yep. Of course, control of Vicksburg meant the Union forces had control of the Mississippi River, which cut the South in half right. and just about guaranteed the end of the Confederacy. Yep. And I, I mentioned history. this little history lesson because we have people today who are so stupid they think that Pearl Harbor is a nursing home in Florida. <laughs> That's cute, Stu. Yeah, Stu is absolutely right. Uh, the, the two developments that he alludes to were Robert E. Lee decided that the only way he could win the Civil War was to win the election of 1864 when Lincoln had to run again. So he was trying to, to, to occupy the North. What he's really trying to do is divide it by attacking Pennsylvania and dividing New England from the rest of the North. Uh, and defeating him there was crucial, uh, vital, and really marked the huge turning point in the Civil War. But no less important was Vicksburg, which had been under siege for months. And here's a little story about Ulysses Grant that is really cool. For two years, the Union had tried to defeat Vicksburg. There was the key fort on the Mississippi River run by the Confederacy. And they would shell the hell out of it. They'd attack it. But the problem was that there was, there was, they didn't have steamboats then. So what they had to do was to, uh, was to run, uh, float, flotillas with cannons in the current on the Mississippi and as they passed by Vicksburg, shell it until they were out of range. Well, Grant had a very good idea. He went below Vicksburg with his troops and crossed over and then brought the army in behind Vicksburg, not facing the river. And that's how we got Vicksburg. And he would say, Grant wasn't smart. We're just wrong. Uh, but thank you for that insight. That's great. I, I want to hear from Gracie in Rockland. Hello, Dick. I have to tell you, you are a marvelous teacher because that is what you're doing. You're explaining everything so clearly. Uh, I have a paper and pencil, but I wanted to thank you on that. No, honestly, and I'm definitely going to go get one of your books to start with. But why I called is, why are the moderate Democrats going along with it? I know they want to be reelected, but don't they care about their children and grandchildren? Well, As a grandmother, I'm scared out of my wits. Gracie, uh, of course they care, but politicians mainly care about getting reelected. You would think that by moving this far to the left, they would hurt their chances to get reelected because independents would never vote for them and obviously Republicans wouldn't. But the political system changed over the last 10 years. What used to happen is every 10 years they reapportioned congressional districts and uh, the Democrats and Republicans would fight over the lines. 
then the courts got involved and the the party that got screwed in the reapportionment would sue in the court. And the court would often step in and say, we're going to draw the lines. These lines are obviously unfair. They're gerrymandering. They're trying to elect the Democrat or the Republican Party. So the party leaders of both parties in almost every state in the country got together and they said, hey, let's cut a deal. Enough of this fighting over reapportionment. Let's go along with it. Let's negotiate the lines. And we'll let you put all of the voters for your party in the districts now that have your party incumbents. And you let us put our voters in districts where our guys are the incumbents. So the the Democratic districts became loaded with minorities and with Democrats. And the Republican districts became loaded with Republicans. And uh, the result was that the number of seats in Congress that are really swing seats that could change parties in November dropped from about 120 to about 45 over the course of the last decade. And basically Congress is, is now inherited. You get the seat and you stay there forever. But the byproduct of the, this deal was that Republicans' districts were filled with Republicans and Democratic districts were packed with Democrats. So you were vulnerable in the primary. A Democrat couldn't beat a Republican, a Republican beat a Democrat, but Republicans should sure, could sure beat Republicans, and Democrat primaries could sure beat Democrats. So that forced Republicans to move to the right and Democrats to move to the left. Uh, you, you couldn't, you couldn't stay where you were. Take my, my, my old classmate at Stuyvesant High School, Jerry Nadler. Um, He's far to the left of where he used to be, all of the impeachment stuff. Now, I'm not saying he doesn't believe what he's saying, but I am saying that when he got a primary fight uh, two years ago and one was threatened four years ago, uh, he was sweating bullets. He never cared about the general election. He'd beat any Republican in that district. Anybody would. But the primary was another matter. And he took great pains during the, uh, during the impeachment process to be out there in front being as radical and left as he could be. And that's what's happening. Or on the other side, when the Tea Party came in and knocked off a whole bunch of rhino Republicans, they all moved to the right and they all, uh, took other issues like gun control and stuff seriously because they were not about to lose their primaries. And that is why there's no more moderates in the Congress. There are just strong, uh, ideologues at the left and the right. Uh, let's go to Judith in Brooklyn. Hey, Judith. Hi, Hi Judith. Mr. Mars. Thanks for taking my call. Happy Fourth. Let me Thank tell you. you I am fed up with bashing America, and I hope you allow me to say just a few things on this day, okay? Yep. Number one, America has come a long way, people, positively, from 1776 till 2021. Here and here now, if you take a look, this is the least racist country now. Everybody has a right to vote. There's no more segregation. Blacks are doing extremely well, 75% of them. Legal immigrants, when they used to come, it was legal immigration where people worked hard to achieve the American dream, Morris, with no freebies. Not like today with laziness. No, and they did great. It was a God, it is and was and should be a God-fearing, respectable country. And these Bidenistas, they want to destroy it. And all I can say is, God bless America. It's the greatest country in the world. Thank you. Bless you, Judith. And let me add a couple of stats to that. Uh, The number of abortions, an issue that was raised earlier, has dropped by 30% over the last few years. Um, Personal household income under Trump increased 
real income adjusted for inflation increased by 10%. Black income and Hispanic income uh, increased by more than 10%. And uh, the the way the American medical community has cured diseases, including the COVID, uh, developing the COVID vaccine, uh, we are by far the best country and the freest and the most successful country. Let's go to Tommy. I want to go to him because he comes from Morris Park, which is not named after me. No, we named it after you, Dick. And uh, <laughs> you are an intellectual genius. Quickly on a couple of facts. We're like the colony of China. We send them the raw material. They send us back the finished product. And we turn the bunch of serial killers in the Communist Party into billionaires. That's it. To the, to the grand lady up in Rockland County who's worried about her grandchildren, she should know this that the Democratic Party now is only 40% white, and that's why they are teaching young school children that white people are racist in this right. country. If whites were 95% of that party, that would have never happened. It's through legal immigration. And I always tell people, legal immigration, right? Omar and Tlaib would jump in your arms and kiss you smack in the lips for giving them all that power through legal immigration. Remember that. Forty percent of the of the Democratic Party white, and you know. Yeah, but I don't buy that, Tommy. Uh, First of all, the white black wasn't a question of immigration. They came here involuntarily and as as slaves decades a century ago. Uh, And the and the legal immigrants in the U.S. are increasingly voting Republican. Uh, I haven't seen exact stats distinguishing legal from illegal, but I do know. That, uh, that Hispanics moved toward Trump by eight points. And I believe that legal immigrants are people who love this country, want to be in the country. I'll give you a stat I do know. The crime rate, murder rate among illegal immigrants is three times that for non-immigrants and the, and best, better than either of them are legal immigrants. The lowest murder rate among all three groups the worst is illegal immigrants, the next is American citizens, and the best is illegal immigrants. They want to be part of America. They want this to be a good country, and they want to make it as good as they possibly can. My attitude toward legal immigration is please, please come here. We need more of you. We need you to be here not just for our economy, but to tell us how good we are and tell us how important it is that we remain good, how that, that we emphasize the best in us and not the worst and tell the truth when the media is doing everything it can to convince us that our country is terrible. Uh, We need that infusion of people who choose to be Americans, want to be Americans and came here. Happy July 4th, everybody. And I love today. The questions were great. Thanks a lot. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com.